Next week, Lord willing, we'll be starting the book of Acts. But I was reminded that today we're going to show the skit. And I just thought, you know what? I would like to kind of go with it because I thought it's a powerful message. And, and here in John chapter 10, I'm going to begin by breaking a few of the preaching principles of the professors and just kind of dive into the text in light of the skit. God laid this scripture on my heart. John chapter 10, notice what we read in verse 10. It says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Let me ask you a question. How much do you love God? You know, a lot of times I remember uh, hearing even some people say, I love God this much, you know, and that, you know, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I'll die to myself, I'll, I'll surrender my will, and that's a good way of expressing, and I remember another person said, I love God this much, and I, and I looked at that, and I thought, well, that's kind of weird, but, but what they meant by that is, I love God to the point that I will not allow anything to come between us. You know, you saw in the skit things that came between the, the person and, and, and the Lord, and and that can happen in an ultimate way in which we're separated by our sins. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not a Christian, you are separated from him. And if you die in that condition, you will perish. You will go to hell, the lake of fire forever and ever. And so there's that aspect of it that applies to the non-believer. But there's also the believers here, many believers, many that go to church every single Sunday, sometimes multiple times a week. And at the end of the day, what's really going on in their life is there are many things that have come between them and God and they are not living the abundant life you see the thief has come to steal and kill and to destroy but Jesus said I have come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly you see we have in John 10 10 the agenda of the adversary he's called the thief and it says that he has no other design than coming to steal kill and destroy you know, in the context here, John 9, uh, when you look at what was going on with the blind man, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, what Jesus was saying in essence is there are many thieves, there are many false uh, prophets, teachers, there's even false messiahs in the day of the Lord. And what we find is that they come as thieves, and they're all moved and motivated by the chief thief, and that is the same spirit of Satan himself. You see, he is the thief that Jesus is ultimately talking about. The thief is Satan. The thief has come to steal and kill and destroy. You know, the, the word steal here is an interesting Greek word. It's the, the Greek word uh, kleptes from another Greek word klepto, and I'm sure you guys have heard of that, right? Uh, kleptomaniac is an individual who constant has this inclination to, to take and to steal. And that's actually an accurate description of the devil himself. As a matter of fact, we read in our text that the thief does not come except to steal. Other translations say the thief comes only to steal or his purpose is to steal. And so you might be wondering, well, what is it that the devil tries to steal? And in one sense, he tries to steal you. He tries to steal people from God. And when the devil came in, in the book of Genesis chapter 3, it's, in essence, that's what he did. He separated all of man from God. 
right? When he went in, tempted Eve, deceived her, the fall entered through Adam and Eve, and as a result of that, we were stolen away, and now we're all born that way. Psalm 51, 5 says we're conceived in sin. Romans chapter 5 says we're all born into the family of Adam. You know, sometimes it's kind of funny. Have you ever heard someone say, I was born a Christian? Have you ever heard someone say that? In all reality, it's not true. You can't be born a Christian. I believe that if a child dies, they go to heaven because there's an aspect of innocence. But at the end of the day, we're born in sin. We are born separated from God. You know, and so in looking at this, as far as, well, what is it that the, the, the thief is trying to steal? You, us, people, all those who are out there perishing, who don't know the Lord, that's exactly what he's done. You know, I, I know it's an awful thing to think, but imagine someone coming into your home and stealing your children. In essence, that's what the devil has done. A more accurate description might be to say that we ran away from home, and while we were away, we were taken away by the devil. That's what's happened within the scriptures. And so it's interesting, if you read chapter 2 of this, chapter, um, chapter uh, 10, verse 2, you'll find that Jesus is talking about thieves going into the sheep pen. And so that's what the, the devil's agenda is. The thief can take people. He can also take things. And I think I would call these things blessings. You see, the agenda of the adversary is to rip us off from all the good things that God has for us. And we're going to talk about this later when we talk about the abundant life. I mean, are you living it? Are we really living it? Can you really say, you know, as I'm driving up this mountain, you know, this rocky mountain where, you know, you're going to Nepal and this village and you want to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ and it's a little dangerous, but at the same time, you know it's exactly where you need to be. And in my heart, this is what I'm saying. I'm saying this is the life. This is the life. And in one sense, we should be saying that as Christians, as we're married, as we're ministering to our children, as we're you know, serving and we're saved and we're forgiven and we're experiencing love and joy and peace and all the good things that God has to offer. We're not bound in sin any longer. In one sense, we should be saying, this is the life. But the enemy comes in to steal people from God, to steal the blessings from the people of God. And that's why we got to know his agenda, you know? I mean, uh, someone might ask, well, well, how does he steal? It's interesting, the Greek word right here is distinct from, you know, the thug. This thief is not necessarily a thug who takes a gun and points it in your face. He's more of a deceiver who will go in behind your back. And you don't realize that anything's going on until oftentimes it's too late. It's kind of a combination of temptation and lies wherein we lose the blessings of God. What does God want to do in your life? I mean, seriously, big time, ultimate, destiny, purpose, greatness, whatever it is that God wants to do in your life, what is it? And the enemy comes in and he wants to strip it all away. You know, it might be a blessed time with my family, you know, and just little things, big things. You know, I don't know if you guys ever experience it, but sometimes you want to get together with your family and, um, you know, then, I don't know, someone says the wrong thing, they push the wrong button. Next thing you know, you're a little irritated and agitated. Your fuse is a little short. Next thing you know, um, there's a little, you know, holy headlock going on between you and your wife and, 
You know, next thing you know, what was supposed to be a beautiful, wonderful day of love and fellowship with the family ends up being just something, you know, from the other side of town, if you know what I mean, you know? I mean, the enemy comes in and, man, one day at a time, he starts ripping us off. He starts, you know, doing those types of things. It might be a blessed time in family. It might be a blessed time in ministry. It might be the reason, the real reason that you were saved to serve. You know, I remember a while back, a man who had a calling on his life, and from all looks and appearances, he was serving the Lord, and he did so much in the church. But what ended up happening eventually over time is he was lured away by the lies. He met an immoral woman. He became an immoral man. He left his family, and he would not return to the Lord. It wasn't much longer before he lost his family, and he lost his life. You see, the devil, that's what he wants to do. Here's another person stolen away. It's kind of like the skit, you know? And there's someone, and they're in fellowship with God. And, and we saw the scene, but then in enters a bad boyfriend or an ungodly girlfriend steps in and separates them. You know, it could be that relationship today that God is saying to you, you know what, that's no good for you. When you guys get together, there's nothing edifying about it. You need to cut it off because it's coming between you and God. You know, it could be uh, money and the pursuit of money and the things that money can buy. You know, when you go to uh, uh, Nepal, you'll see them worshiping the god of money. But it doesn't matter whether it's the Hinduism of Nepal or the Buddhism of Cambodia or the materialism of America. A lot of times those are the things coming between you and God. And he wants to dance with you. And he wants to show you the goodness of his creation. He wants to use your life and bless your life. And we allow these things to come between us and God. You know, when we saw the skit, we saw the things like money and vanity. Next thing you know, you've got this pain inside. And you try to numb it, maybe through drugs or alcohol. Another, another you know, thing that comes between us and God we're looking for love, we're looking for value, we're looking for peace, and we can't find it. And so eventually what ends up happening is you stop looking. And that's when the enemy comes in and just says, you know what, just take your life. You know, and some of you here, you might be thinking, oh, that's an extreme man, I've never had that thought. Well, praise God if you've never had the thoughts of suicide. But as a pastor, I talk to so many people, even that come to church, that often get those thoughts. Because the enemy's agenda, the agenda of the adversary, is to steal, kill, and destroy. You see? The, the, the word kill here is an interesting word. In, in the Greek language, there are actually seven words translated to kill. But this particular one, a thuo, it speaks of a sacrifice, a spiritual sacrifice. The word is used in Acts 14.13 and Acts 14.18 and, and many other places in the Bible where it speaks of a sacrifice. And so if you can kind of see it that way, you know, when the enemy and one of the things you'll find about the devil is he's all about death. He's all about death while Jesus is all about life. And so, you know, what you find is that in one sense, it's like the enemy, he takes lives and he takes things and what he does in one sense is he offers them as a sacrifice to the enemy. The word is used in 1 Corinthians 10.20 where it says rather that the things with the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And so 
this word sacrifice is that word kill. And that's what the devil's agenda is. To steal you away from God. To steal the blessings of God from your life. To allow things to come between you and God and separate him. And it's things like relations or ambitions or possessions. Right? And ultimately, once he wants to do is he offers that sacrifice to Satan himself. You know, one of the things that we have to know about the devil is that he's all about death. I was thinking about the 58 that died in Las Vegas on October 1st of this year, and they weren't just killed by the gunmen. You guys know that, right? Satan himself had everything to do with that. I believe with all my heart that that man was demon-possessed because that is the agenda of the adversary, to steal, to kill, and then ultimately, we read in John 10.10, to destroy. And the word, at the end of the day, you just got to cut straight to it, eternal misery and torment in hell, in the lake of fire. That's his agenda. The Greek word here translated destroy is apulamai, and it's transliterated in Revelation 9.11, where it says, and they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek, it has the name Apollyon. And Apollyon means destroyer. And that's his name. He's the destroyer. And he wears it well. You know, that chapter there in Revelation 9 is an interesting chapter. It speaks of these uh, demonic creatures that are released from the bottomless pit in order to torment mankind for five months. But what Satan wants to do is torment mankind forever. You see, that's his agenda. The devil knows he's destined for the lake of fire. And as they say, misery likes company. And he wants to take as many people with him as he can. The Bible says in Revelation 20 verse 10, the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. And then Revelation 20 verse 15, and it says, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so, you know, for most of you here, I would imagine that you're Christians, you know the Lord, praise God, but what God wants to do is why God wants to tell you, this is the agenda of the adversary. There are many applications, even for us as Christians, but one of the main things we have to come away with is uh, we got to make sure that we don't get caught up in the world, that we got to make sure that we have eyes to evangelize. That's what Nepal's about. That's what Cam Cambodia's about. That's what Mexico's about. That's what the jet team's about. That's why we're encouraging you to take some flyers and to invite somebody. That's why... You know, we're praying for Tuesday. We're praying that God would use us because we know his agenda, but we also know the agenda of the Lord. Look again what we read in John 10.10. 10. It says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. See, Jesus came that we might be made alive. You know, the Greek word uh, zoe, it's the life of God that's offered to us, you guys. It's the life of God. It's the opposite of death. Uh, like I said earlier, the devil's all about death, but Jesus is all about life. 
And you know, one of the things, uh, I'm sure you guys feel the same way as I do, uh, Christian, doesn't matter if you're a Christian or a teacher or a pastor or a leader, we want each other, we want you to be blessed. We want you to have life, right? I mean, Jesus came not to set up a religion, not to distribute a list of rules and regulations, right? He came to give us life, just in case. And I don't know for sure. I'm looking out right here, and I'm seeing mainly uh, familiar faces, but not all of you. Maybe some of you did your hair different. I'm not sure, but... (laughs) You know, I mean, there might be one person here, one of you here, that in all reality, if you were to die today, you wouldn't go to heaven. This is for you. You're dead in your sins. You're separated from God. You're not forgiven. But Christ died for you that you might have life. And today, what God wants you to do is take that step of faith. We've all been there, man. We were all dead at one time. But Jesus came that we might have life. You know, it's been said that all men die. All men die, but not all men really live. One of the things that you'll notice about the Gospel of John is it has the various I am statements. And I was looking at it the other day, and I was fascinated by how many of them have life in it. Uh, For example, he said, I am the, the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I'm the bread of life. You know, when he was talking to the Samaritan woman, he said, I want to give you living waters. It's all, it's all about this life, this life that, that God has to give to us. You know, whether it be the mountain view of Nepal or the mountain view of Almani, whatever it is, this is the life where God wants to work in us and God wants to work through us. And God said, I want you to be a pastor and I want you to go to the mission field and I want you to be a mom who pours into her kids or I want you to be that, you know, that dad that that little boy never had. What I want you to do, this is the life. We have to get caught up in this life that he's given to us, right? I mean, lots and lots of life in the Lord. Question, are you experiencing that? Or are you just playing church? Are you really experiencing the life of God, the God life? Or are you just going through the motions, making excuses where God is saying, no, I want you to be a man and woman of prayer. I want you to fast. I want you to seek me. You know, one of the things that I, I think that's, that you saw in the skit that was just so beautiful is on this side you had Jesus pulling, and that's what the Lord's always doing. He's always drawing us to him. He's always speaking to us. A lot of times we're not listening, but there he is drawing us closer to him, and eventually the, 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 the day came where, where, where she said, you know what? I'm going to go for it, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for the gusto, full bore. I'm going to plow through all these things that are coming between me and God. And I'm going to seek him with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my mind, all of my strength. Because what ends up happening in this world is, is designed in a way to just you know, bring us to a point, I think, where we as Christians, in all reality, at the end of the day, we're not really giving 100% in pursuit of God. And we, if we're honest, will admit it. So God says, I want you to have this life. And I've learned that a lot of that has to, be, has to do with just being obedient. You know, there's the, the full life, F-O-O-L. That's the one who's stuck on sin. They'll live in sin. 
They don't really care. They're not really pursuing holiness and a passion for God and purpose for their life. And so it's, just, it's, it's foolish. It, it, that's the fool. But then there's the full life, F-U-L-L. And that's the one who realizes God blesses obedience. Where I get out of my bed and I go and I get on my knees and I spend time with him. And I will not make excuses. I will get up before the sun rises and I will spend time with my God. I will open up my Bible and I will read it and I will love it, learn it, and live it. Because it's not just being saved It's about being sanctified, you know? I mean, that's what the Lord said. Again, he says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I was thinking about that. And I was thinking, well, if that's the reason the Lord came, then in all reality, that's the reason we come. That's the purpose of the church, that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Because that's why he came, and therefore that's why we come, you know? And in all reality, that's what it's all about. And so how many of you here are saved? You guys are are saved. So praise God for that. You have life. Now here's the question. Are you living the abundant life? See, and that's where we have to all search our own hearts. You know, I've shared with you, I just really have come to a place in my life where I'd rather die than disobey. I don't want to think the wrong thoughts. I don't want to say the wrong words. I don't want to make the wrong decisions. I don't want to be the wrong type of man any longer. That's where we need to be. And I know that it's not an easy thing, you know. We've got to ask God for his grace. I mean, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you. But that's not enough. The Holy Spirit's got to come on you. He's got to fill you. You have to be intoxicated with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, And don't be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation. It's a wasted life. But be filled with the Spirit. You remember when you were drunk? You remember how it made you do things that you normally wouldn't do? It's not typical. It's not normal. It's not common. It's not just you. There's something else now that's influencing you. Well, that's how it's supposed to be now as a Christian. When you're under the the power of God, you step outside of your comfort zones. You don't just live the same life that everyone else in the United States of America is living. It's not just the Corinthian church. It's not the carnal church. There's something different about us now. Why? Because we're under this influence. I mean, it... He says that they would live this abundant life. This word right here speaks of growth, development, vigorous, prosperity, flourishing abundantly. It speaks of supremacy, uh, superior to anything this world has to offer, extraordinary, more eminent, excellent. That should really be us. That's what Jesus wants for us. That's why he came. You know, I mean... We could draw near with our lips, but he'd rather have us draw near with our heart, right? I mean, the Holy Spirit's in you. Praise God, you're a Christian. Now let me ask you a question. Is he on you? I mean, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? You're saved. Praise God. Let me ask you another question. Are you serving? Are you really serving the Lord? You know, Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly 
abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know what I see going on around the world as I go to Cambodia, you know, Nepal, amazing, amazing the things that are going on there. I was telling you guys that when they would do the, the medical part of it, then they would send the people into the room and then we got to minister to them. And so, you know, one of the first things I would ask them is, are you, do you know Jesus? Are you a Christian? And if they said they were a Christian, then what I would ask them is, how did you get saved? And it's amazing, um, the stories, uh, as I shared earlier, you know, the, the people, there's one young man, AJ, he was demon-possessed, his mother was demon-possessed, his father was demon-possessed, his brother was demon-possessed, and I have his testimony, I'm going to probably put it up on one of the videos uh, eventually, but, you know, he was talking about how um, he was going to drafting school, but he was being tormented by demons, and so every single day, what he would do is after school, he would ride up to this temple where they had one of the tallest idols. I think it's the fourth tallest idol in the world. Uh, I've, Shiva, I think that's the name of the idol over there. And every single day, he would go to the witch doctor, and the witch doctor would give him a temporary fix. Because that's what the devil does. That's what drugs do. That's what drinking is. It's kind of a temporary fix in one sense to numb the pain. But it made him dependent upon this witch doctor. So he went there every single day. He would ride his bike there every single day after school because he needed that fix from the witch doctor. But eventually he started hearing about Jesus and what ended up happening one day is his mom wouldn't allow him to become a Christian because over there, you know, you got to pretty much get your family's permission. It's, it's, it's amazing the way that that all works. But, but as he was there, one day his mom was, it looked like she was dying. She had been tormented by demons as well until finally as his dad's holding her, he just says, Mom, I got to do this. I got to do this. We have to give our life to Christ. We have to call on the name of Jesus. And as he was there and, uh, you know, he's praying for her. I mean, little by little, eventually, boom, the demon was gone. And, and she asked him, where, how, have you been studying the practices of the witch doctor, you know? And he said, no, mom, it's the power of Jesus Christ. And then, you know, what ended up happening was, you know, looking for a good church, he eventually found Calvary Chapel, Kathmandu, a place where they love the Lord, teaching the word of God. And what I was thinking is, Lord, this is what you want us to be engaged in. I mean, what I see in the third world countries is, is these demons are obviously a little bit more manifest, right? But it's the same devil, it's the same enemy that we're facing. I mean, I mean not to sound weird, but maybe just a little bit, you know? Do you ever fast? You're like, no, because I get hangry. I don't fast, right? <laughs> you know, why not? Jesus said they'll, they're going to fast. Why don't your disciples fast? And Jesus said the day's going to come where they're going to start fasting. I, I think, I don't know, and you guys can check me later when I'm wrong, but I, I think I can honestly say that unless you have a physical uh, reason for not fasting, that if you are not fasting, I can pretty much stay, say straight out, you are not seeking God with all your heart, period. 
So I don't know how you're going to fast. He'll show you what to do. But you know, I mean, you guys, there is a living, powerful God who wants to take us out of the world in, in that sense, you know? We're, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. But a lot of times you look at Christians and they're so caught up and consumed with the same thing that the world is. What's the difference between you and them? I go to church. Oh, okay, you got the bumper sticker. Oh, you serve in ministry. Cool, but, you know, what about praying over people so that demons would come out of them? Or what about praying over people so that they would be healed? What about going out and witnessing to someone so that they would pray to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? What about going on a missions trip? What about, you know, and you have to ask the Lord, for those divine details. But all I'm saying is that the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Don't let anything come between you. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that more abundantly. In the context here, he's talking about sheep and shepherds. And I thought, you know, well, what does that look like, Lord, life and that more abundantly? And there's a lot of things that we can talk about. But, you know, one of them is over in Psalm 23, I thought it would be cool for us to kind of just read through this together. The abundant life, what is it? Here in Psalm 23, it's a Psalm of David, and it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And what that means is you're not going to lack. God will provide for your needs, uh, not your greeds, but, but he'll provide for your needs, right? Uh, he makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside the still waters. I mean, you know, when you allow the Lord to lead you, um, he's not going to steer you wrong. You're going to be in this place where you're satisfied, where you have a peace. It was hard to make a sheep, you know, lie down. They had to have a sense of security, and when the Lord is your shepherd, you're never going to lack. He's going to make you to lie down in, in green pastures. He's going to lead you beside the, the still waters. He'll restore your soul, it says in verse 3. And he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know, when you're living the abundant life, your life will bring glory to God. He says in verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they, they comfort me. You know, and so uh, the valley of the shadow of death, it might be the time or the season where you die. It might even be the season where someone, a loved one close to you dies. Others even believe it just talks about the difficulties of life, the valleys of life. And when you're going through the hard times, it's, it's something that God's not going to say, well, you, you know, no, no more hard times. No, you're still going to have hard times. But you know what? You're not going to be afraid. You're not going to be afraid. Why? Because you are going to be aware of his perpetual presence. You know, maybe you're here today and you're, you're much afraid. You're one of those who are afraid of things. God says, listen, not when you live the abundant life. You know, the rod and the staff, uh, it's interesting. 
They could be used uh, to, to beat down the enemy, which is something I think a lot of us need for God to do. But it's also the way he disciplines us, right? And he keeps us in check. And that brings comfort to our hearts. So in verse 5, he says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. That's the abundant life. When you're... When your cup runs over. You know, I mean, there's the enemies, the, the devil, his demons, whoever it is you think is opposing you. And it, it doesn't even matter, man. It doesn't affect you. It doesn't hinder the work that God wants to do. Right there, in their face, in the presence of the enemies, you are going to be blessed with the table that he prepares before you. I mean, it's just a beautiful picture of how you know, when the Lord is your shepherd, when the Lord is your shepherd, you will be living that abundant life. And then he says in verse 6, that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me for how long? All the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord for how long? Forever. You see, that's what we have to look forward to. You know, and, and I don't know, I don't want it to sound like, you know, like a pep talk or an inspirational talk, you know, or to get someone excited, you know. I really want us to examine our life. Lord, is there anything, is there anyone, is there any possession, ambition, relation? Is there anything, any sin in my life of commission or omission? Is there anything, anything, is there anything, Lord, that I'm allowing to come between us it is hindering my walk because at the end of the day what I realize now is that you have come not only to give me life but you have come to give someone like me even me abundant life that's the life that walks on water that's the life that moves mountains the Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. Second Chronicles 16.9. And that's what God is doing right now. You know, he's looking and he's trying to find, is there anyone really, truly, you know, surrendered and sold out to the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, back in, in John 10, looking at this life that the thief, he does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And then in verse 11, he says, and I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And you're like, well, how do I, how do I get this life? How do I get it, man? Do I have to stand on my head till my ears turn red? I mean, is that how I do it? I mean, do I have to do a thousand push-ups or maybe jump through hoops? Or do I have to, you know, go through the sacraments or get baptized or hypnotized, canonized? What do I have to do to get this? Man, all you got to do is believe. All you got to do is really believe. I'm not talking about in your head. Some intellectual ascent I'm talking about in your heart. The good shepherd has laid down his life for the sheep. He died for you. 
And, 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 and receiving the power is the same way. You're like, you know, and you guys be honest. You know, a lot of times in the church, man, we're not really living or we're not walking that power. And, you're, you know, it's because of two things, disobedience and doubt. Some of you here, you're, you're pretty good. You're moral. You're upright. You've been kind of doing okay, dotting I's, crossing T's, but you're not really filled with the Spirit because you doubt. You doubt that the power of God is available to you. And that's why things are, are the same way they've been for the last 17 years. Because you are not believing in the power of God that's available to you. And what God wants to do today is he wants to change all that up. He died on the cross. And what that means is that he baptizes us with the Holy Spirit, not only in us, but upon us. I mean, he does everything. All we have to do is allow him to lead us, you know, to this place where there's still waters, green pastures, where we will not lack. Now, where would a sheep be without his shepherd? Big trouble, huh? They'd be lunch for the lion, amen? I mean, really, man, they wouldn't even make it to dinner. They'd be devastated, right? And so my question is, how are you doing? How about you? Are you today separated in any way from Jesus? I know what the Bible says. It says nothing will separate us from his love. I understand that. But you know what I'm talking about. When life has a way, I call it um, clutter, where things just begin to come in and separate you from your Savior. You know, what I think God wants to do today is just to know that he is looking for us and as he's drawing us, and we saw that in the skit today, what we have to do is fight with everything that we've got to get back to where we belong. And the Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Bible says in Luke 15, four through six, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. You know, and if you're here today, and maybe you're that one that God is looking for, thank God for the other 99 that are found, but our heart goes out to that one who's hurting, whose marriage is falling apart, whose life is falling apart, and today says, what do I, what I want to do? I want to meet you there today. Would you like to be part of his flock forever? And that's really the big question. I pray that if you need to make that decision today,